Hey everybody, welcome to the Theologian's Table podcast. My name is Tim, and I am the co-host of this podcast. I say co-host because we I switched up the format so that it wouldn't be uh, so that it wouldn't be boring <laughs> question mm. mark. But uh, let me introduce you to my new co-host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim as well. Yeah. But Tim Johnson. Yep. So two Tims. That we might have to think of of like nicknames for for <laughs> us, so it won't be confusing. But uh, Tim was a guest on my OG podcast called the uh, Theology Taco. He did an episode on uh, tips for reading the Bible. I think it's like episode 12 uh, of Theology Taco. And that was a really good episode. Had a lot of good uh, responses to it. And and so um, that's why I asked him to be on the show. One, because he's kind of a, a, a dynamic guy. Uh, you know, he gets excited about the Bible. He gets excited about faith. And whereas I'm a little bit more monotone. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I thought, and, and I trust him too. So I thought it would be uh, great to have him on the show um, as well. So uh, Tim, I met Tim. <clears throat> uh, we met at, Gen- uh, well, at Generations Church, <clears throat> which used to be called Canton Church. And I taught his kid in, in the kids ministry before I actually met him. And then um, at that time, like, I knew everybody in the church. Like, I was so pleased with myself (laughs) because I'm a huge introvert, so it's a big deal for me to, like, know everybody and have a relationship with with everybody. Uh, But I didn't... But we had a... What was it? uh 21 days of prayer and fasting that some churches do. And I heard Tim say like, or maybe it was at a budget meeting, who knows. But I heard Tim say, amen. And I'm like, who is that? (laughs) I'm like, I don't think I know that that person's voice. So then, uh, and then, uh, we, we talked for a little bit after that. And, and then, uh, I heard him give like a mini sermon at our communicator Sunday event. And I'm like, this guy's got to be on the podcast. So that's when he came on to do that. Uh, tips for reading the Bible. And then he's also my landscaper. So, yep. uh, so we have that relationship as well. Yeah. I remember that we went to, um, what was it? I, my, one of my earlier memories was obviously, obviously seeing you when I pick up Cooper, <clears throat> What if it picked up the pouring coffee? That'd oh, kinda, that would be, be kind of cool. That'd, that'd be a cool be, intro, right? Yeah. A coffee with Tim and Tim. I thought, I thought about that, and I cannot <laughs> find a good coffee pouring sound We'll effect. hook you up, man. We'll get it going. <laughs> so, um, What was I going to say? Uh, yeah, so I, I remember seeing you uh, when I would go pick up Cooper, and uh, and I, I think I know what you're talking about, the budget meeting or whatever it was, because I, I raised my hand and asked a question. Right. And I knew nobody, and I'm not an introvert. But um, I can be. You know, I was talking to someone about this recently about how if I'm in a room full of introverts, I'm like life of the party. 
I'll get everyone going. I'll talk to everybody. But if I'm in a room full of extroverts, I'm cool to just hang in my corner <laughs> and talk to one person, you know. So I'm kind of whatever, whatever I need to be. But uh, yeah, and I remember uh, Communicator Sunday. And I was going to comment on what you said, too, because uh, there's nothing like getting to really know people in church. Uh-huh. Th- that's how it feels like a family. Um, I've been to churches where I just went on Sundays and I didn't know anyone and uh, I didn't really know how to make friends or any of that stuff. And it doesn't really ever feel like it's your church. But as soon as you open up and start to go to meetings and start going to things and start finding a few individual people, it makes a difference to show up Sunday morning and be like, oh, hey, there's John. And, oh, yeah, I remember him. We had that cool conversation. And to start recognizing people and then to have the honor of, you know, speaking right. at a communicator Sunday or you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, so that was that was where we met, mm-hmm. and then uh, your grass needed trimming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it followed from. No, there. I wasn't gonna do it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it wasn't gonna be me. Uh, and then, so that speaking of that whole family thing, that was the. I I totally agree with that. Like, f- for me, that's when church is at its its best. Obviously, when we're glorifying God together, but also. Yeah when you can get to know people and then you can have an honest relationship because at at some churches you know you can't do that i think there's that stereotype of where church you have to put on that uh you know nicey nice facade like everything's okay but and and there there's a reason for why that stereotype exists but i you know i when we were at Generations, I didn't feel like that kind of stereotype existed. Yeah, no, I, I I felt like it. Um, one of the things that drew us there was that it felt like everyone was very close. Yeah. And so Aaron and I had come out of uh, a church service one time and we were like, we want to meet these people because everyone yeah. seems so friendly and so nice. And it's like uh, I heard a stand-up comedian talk about how it's, it's harder to make friends when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, it totally you just, is. It's, yeah. you, when you're a kid, you just like walk in the same direction. You can just talk to anyone and yeah. have a sleepover the next night. But when you're an adult, it's like, hey, do you want to be my friend? And it's uh-huh. very awkward. <laughs> yeah. So we we were trying to figure out how to, how do we meet people, and then eventually we went to the front desk and got to meet people that way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but um, can't remember where I was going with that. But yeah, but yeah. So we we ended up we ended up connecting with with so many different people, mm-hmm. and it's you know where we've been ever since so yeah and do you want to give like anybody so i don't i don't know if there's a good way to say this but so i my background is i have a master's degree in theological studies okay uh and tim you you had some training as well but (laughs) the reason why the the very first podcast I did was about if if you're a Christian you're a theologian hmm. and so like and the reason why is is because you have to at some point explain your faith yeah. to people yeah and not just like in an apologetic way but you have to think through your faith this is why yes, I believe what good. I believe and this is who Jesus is and uh, this is what what faith is you have to explain that to other people and you're doing theology while you're doing that. And so you don't always need to be a, a trained uh, theologian. Um, so 
uh, Tim is going to provide the, uh, I guess, the real world side of my more academic (laughs) side of of theology. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm always in my own head. Sure. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm so so self-absorbed. No, uh, when it comes to theology, and and I always <laughs> miss turns because I'm thinking about yeah theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it's funny you say that because I'm sure if Aaron hears this, my wife, um, she will laugh because she says about me, I'm always in my own head. Uh-huh. So my my second born, um, I, I feel like he's a lot like me in the sense because it, he'll he'll be doing something and and he'll yell his name like Paxton, and he's just not looking, and I'm like. Paxton, like right next to him. As soon as you have to say it like three times. And I'm like, where are you right now? And he's just so focused on his, on whatever he's working on, you know? Yeah. Either that or he's just in his own world. And I'm probably the same way. And uh, I think a lot. So it's funny that you say that you think a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think where we balance each other out is that I talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell myself like, uh-huh. okay, like let other people talk. Or even while you were talking, I had to stop myself from interrupting because I, I've listened. I listen to podcasts like professionally almost. I listen <laughs> to so many podcasts, and so I, I can tell usually within about five minutes if this if this is a good, a good uh, chemistry or a good podcast I want to listen to. And one of the things that that I can tell is when they interrupt each other all the time. My ears can't take that. It right. is the most irritating thing to me. But I was thinking to myself, this isn't necessarily an interview podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think we can kind of go back and forth a little bit. So Yeah, totally. And so uh, we both kind of have like this Pentecostal background. Yes. Um, I kind of bounced a, a little bit all over the place. And Tim, would you say that you were more static in, in Pentecostalism or were you... Because I bounced around between denominations. Oh, I so. see. No, no, no. I, I was, I was went to uh, the same church for probably birth, since birth until I moved um, out to Oklahoma. Now, I'm from Illinois. I'm from northern Illinois, a city called Rockford. And uh, so I grew up in a, yeah, not a denomination. It was non-denominational. But it had, uh, you know, Pentecostal feel in the sense that it was like spiritual gifts uh, they taught um, on the word. They taught a lot on the New Testament. Um, you know, spirit filled. Everyone, everyone prayed in tongues. Um, but I, look, here's the thing. I've also been to a lot of churches that are Pentecostal or whatever title they give themselves, and they they do pray in tongues and they do operate in the things of the spirit. But it's also really weird, right? It'd okay. probably be like charismatic, yeah, label, right? I, I don't know. I would almost say like. Pentecostal holiness or something okay. like that. That's right, sort yeah. of that's kind of what you uh-huh. know they joke and call them snake handlers. Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have been to churches like that. So usually when you say, and maybe I don't need to say this, but when I tell people I'm kind of of the Pentecostal origin, everyone's kind of like, ah, I feel like they're they're like, ah, you're one of those weirdos. Uh-huh. And so the older I'm getting, the more I'm being like, yes, right, yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. So I'm okay with that. You know, I I had to think about it because. I hang around a lot of, uh, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but, you know, I hang around some reformed guys. So I, I, every once in a while, I'll, you know, think through my Pentecostal 
identity, I guess, Pentecostal Christian identity. Mm. And I'll be like, well, why am I Pentecostal? Yeah. And like, do it. Is that, is that something that I think is, uh, faithful to the Bible? Obviously I think it is. And I think for me, like Pentecostalism is, has allowed me to have the fullest expression mm. of, of my faith. You know, I appreciate like the reformed views on things like sin. Yeah. Uh, but I like that perspective. That's really good. Uh, but, uh, as far as, uh, like just like a full bodied faith, I think Pentecostalism has allowed me to do that. So yeah. Fullest expression. That's beautiful. Um, and I, I do, I do think that each denomination has its, um, has so many good things about it, you know, mm. um, the, the ones that I've experienced anyway, I'm sure there's some crazies out there. I don't know, but cause I know there's like thousands of denominations, isn't there? Well, I think the number, depending on who you look at, like the number of Christian denominations is like 44,000. Oh my God. But gracious. but I think the more realistic number is, <clears throat> is still obscenely high. I think it's like thirty thousand. I can't. Or I can't even twenty five thousand because I feel like I know ten. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, I'm like, so, well, how many <clears throat> factions can there be? You you have you have like the traditions, like you have Protestantism, okay, and then you have Catholicism, and then you have Eastern Orthodox. But even with with within really like within Protestantism, that's where you get the most denominations because mm-hmm. oh you, yeah, yeah yeah because then you have Lutheran then you have Baptist mm-hmm. or you have uh, Anglican and uh, uh, ref- then there's like German and Dutch Reform and then there's Pentecostalism and that in itself has like sub denominations mm-hmm. you've yeah. got like Pentecostal Holiness then you have Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. You have mm-hmm. assemblies of God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, and and to um, if anyone's a Seinfeld fan, are you a Seinfeld fan? I'm, I've gotten into Seinfeld as I've gotten older, okay. so I know I know a, a good bit, but not like uh-huh. I'm not a diehard fan. Well, I was raised with it, and like mm-hmm. we watched it all the time when I was a kid, and. Uh, it, on uh, one of the special features uh, in in the episode, George mar- or wants to marry this. Uh, I think that's what it was. He wants to marry this nun from some uh, some denomination. And if you watch the special features, the writer of the episode says, you know, he he knows lots of different denominations, and he said so. He just he wrote down a list of all these cultures and all these religions and he just kind of randomly picked a few and whichever whichever one sounded funny it was totally fabricated just made up so he said latvian orthodox was Uh what was what the religion was and so he was like yeah sure we'll make that up so he wants to marry this woman who's latvian orthodox you know i thought it was funny and then after the episode airs he gets a letter from like the high priest of the latvian orthodox religion (laughs) thanking him for his interest in this this religion and he was like i thought i made this up mm-hmm. that's kind of how it feels to me with a lot of denominations you know you could just say you could make anything up you know mm-hmm. he's dutch reformist pentecostal twice removed you know and it's like some someone in virginia is like hey they know about us right. you know yeah and then there's like <coughs> and then there's you know there's even pentecostal calvinists down in south america so pentecostal uh, calvinists yes uh-huh. 
See, okay, some of this stuff is interesting to me. Uh-huh. Church history, I'm, I'm interested in it. But as soon as you get into, like, John and Rick got into a fight and John decided to start, you know, this this church name that start, takes, like, five, you know, five names. It's like the Monty Python Life of Brian thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But I was going to say, so I was raised in a non-denominational. It was a, a seriously great church. I mean, uh no church is perfect, of course, but uh, I just think of all of the foundational truths I learned about the Word of God. It was just so good. It was a really good experience. And uh, and then when I when I moved to Oklahoma uh, in Tulsa, there's a lot of lot of big churches and a lot of good churches too. And I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to go to Rama, uh-huh. and uh, which is a Word of Faith school and a Word of Faith church. And uh, and I didn't even really know what that was. I don't even know who. Kenneth Hagen was. He was the founder. And uh, so here I am in, in the college days thing, and I'm sitting in the service watching them warm up. And this random guy is sitting next to me, or sitting in the pew in front of me or something. And uh, and he's like, so are you, you're here for the college thing? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, how long have you been like a, involved in Word of Faith? And I was like, I don't even know what Word of Faith is, man. Right. And, uh, and he was like, really? And I was like, I don't know who Kenneth Hagen is. He was like, you don't know, you know, which is like a sin if you're in Oklahoma. And uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So he tells me all about him. And uh, yeah, so, but I, it doesn't matter to me because I, I like, I understand why people are in their camps. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's where I'm most comfortable in, in the spirit-filled sort of church. But like with Generations Church, that's the church of God. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Right. This is where the Holy Spirit, I feel like he's has led us. And I have no regret. I love it. It's been a, it's been a great experience. But I can tell this is not my camp. Mm-hmm. I can tell. I can feel it. And so sometimes I listen to podcasts from uh, you know a little more Word of Faith or more Pentecost or whatever, and I'm like, yes. Yeah, so I miss this. You know, my faith is stirred. And that's not to say anything bad about the Church of God. Church of God's great. I love the, the denominations. You know, but uh, I do think we're a little campy. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like. Only the people listening would, would know this, but as soon as I start saying things like Pentecostal, uh, word of faith, I feel like people start putting borders up. Like, yeah. Oh, I see. I, I know. I mean, you, you yeah. Yeah, with Pentecostalism and then definitely word of faith. Yeah. Some people are might get uh, a little jumpy, I guess. But that's a good litmus uh-huh. test, you know? Right. Yeah. As soon as you say word of faith, just how do you feel? Uh-huh. When you hear that, what is that right. like? Huh? Is you're going to be able to receive uh-huh. anymore? You know. So do you want to? Do you want to <clears throat> go into like uh, a defense of word of faith at all? Um, sure. Like so, <sighs> word of faith. You know, that's people like you said, Kenneth Hagen. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is, is Kenneth Copeland? I think so. I've never heard him though. Okay, I know who yeah. he is. He's a big uh, name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Womack uh-huh. was a huge influence. I believe yeah. he's Word of Faith. So he's a, he's a grace teacher though, right? He's Word of Faith though too. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I what I, what I'm trying to say is I guess like Word of Faith seems to have the most critics. That's probably true in, in the United States. I think in Protestantism. In Protestantism, right. yes. As I was going to say, the Catholic Church uh-huh. 
as all the critics. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, at least in Hollywood, and you know, my my whole life that was always the thing. Actually, that's a funny thought because uh, I feel like the Catholic Church is is the butt of so many jokes, and and right. you know, there's validity in that. And and I'm, I'm I love Catholicism, and I you know that's, that's not my point, but in in Hollywood, it's like any anyone who is portrayed as religious is uh, either well-meaning but stupid, mm-hmm. or psycho Jesus person, right? You know, or secretly hiding some terrible sin, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh-huh. and I feel like there's just never a good uh, representation, you know. And I'm not pushing for more representation like so many other groups are. Uh-huh. I don't care if we're represented, you know, well, that's not that's not even our world. Uh, Hollywood. But, um, yeah, so w- Word of Faith probably does have a lot of critics. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I was not even aware of so much of it, you yeah. know, not even knowing what Word of Faith was. Uh, so, yeah. There's whole podcasts devoted to... Oh, I know. I hate it. I can't take, <laughs> I can't take another stinking YouTube Right. podcaster trashing whoever minister I, I can't take it i do understand some of it to some degree that like people say things and they have a big audience and a lot of influence and they they're just bringing it up to to bring correction and say we don't think this is right i get that but i don't know man i've just seen enough of them i'm just so tired of it because i'm always just like who are you uh-huh. What, not that you need a million people in your church or something like that, but it's just like there's all these like rogue people, you know, that are just like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Joel Osteen down a peg. Right. Let me push play in my podcast here and I'll dismantle him. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, yeah, good job, their hero. <laughs> and I can't take it anymore, you know. Yeah. So uh-huh. I feel like I'm always a defender of the church, mm-hmm. and I'm always a defender of. Big name ministers, you know, I'm always a defender of uh, things like that. And but I, I can also hear the validity in what they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I'm always I always asked the question, who who are you exactly? Why should I listen to you? I don't know who you are, you mm-hmm. know, and is what you're saying true? Maybe. But like, man, you feel like so much of it is causing division. So the, it, it's not it's not done gracefully. So that when they say, like, I'm speaking the truth and love. You're like, no, it's not very loving. For sure. All. It's not very mm-hmm. loving. And there's also no relationship. Mm-hmm. This person will never meet Joel Osteen or never meet like, fill in the blank. I just say him because he's, he's like the biggest target. Yeah, that's he's kind of low hanging <clears throat> fruit at this point. Yeah. So. And so it's like, what does that always cause me to do? It causes me to go into defense mode, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like I feel like I can make a good defense for anybody, even if I disagree <laughs> with certain things that they say. I'm just like... Yeah, but you know they're leading a lot of people to Jesus, and it seems like they're doing a lot of great work for the kingdom. I disagree about some things, but it's not something I want to publicly broadcast to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if there's trust, like you and I have had conversations, probably have many more where it's like, yeah, I think this person's way off. I think this is bad. I think this is a dangerous doctrine. But I'm not trying to put anybody on blast. You know, yeah. I, I feel like there's an honor. There's a certain honor that we do need to give to each other, not just to each other, but to people who have been proven, you know, have been, been in the ministry a long time. I feel like you need to give them some grace. But uh, I think relationship has a lot to do with it, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. And that that's one of the things about like uh, that's one of the things that I feel like the Internet has sort of 
broken down a lot lately is relationships. Like you can be, you know, Joe Blow off the street and uh, criticize somebody all the day long. They'll mm. never see your face, right, or anything like. Oh, or when you're just like a keyboard warrior, sure. <laughs> yeah, online, and you, you know, you think you're you're big and bad, but you you never really took the time to establish a relationship with somebody who is a leader of that of in that movement or a person who goes to church in, in that tradition or whatever so um you, yeah you get this right. like uh <clears throat> sorry this anonymous like power uh that you think you have yeah so. and it, it's so false because it's um nobody knows you so it's just a feeling that you get. It's like a dopamine hit or something. You right. feel powerful. You feel like you can control things. But here's the hard part, and I mean this. This is where I've, I've, uh, I've had to swallow this pill before, where um, <clears throat> I've disagreed with someone. I disagreed with the pastor. I won't get into what it was, but like he said something, and I was like, mm, I don't like that. And then it was said again and said again, and I realized like, oh, this isn't just like slip of the tongue or something like that. I mm-hmm. think this is a major doctrinal difference here. And I had to have that moment where I was like, do I want to sit here in the crowd and hold on to my, I'm right and you're wrong and no one else will know it, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and judge you and what you're saying. But what's hard about it <clears throat> is when you actually have that relationship and you can call them and say, Hey, can we talk? Because that way you can you can very graciously and gracefully say, "Hey, I, I, you said this, and I disagree, and here's why." And the hard thing is that person can now shoot holes in your theory, and which is actually a good thing because they'll they'll say things sometimes and ask questions that you've never thought about before. It makes you think, "Oh, I still have my stance and I still have my belief, but that's interesting." You right. know? Yeah. Or or it could even end up being where. They they shoot holes in it, and then you think about it, and then come back a week later and say, "I see what you're saying, but I think you missed it here." You know, and then have but you need relationship with that. You need a relationship with your pastor mm-hmm. or whoever you're speaking with. Um, totally. Yeah, I mean, uh, even like going beyond uh, something like that. I think even with evangelization with even. <clears throat> evangelizing mm-hmm. like it's good to create a, a relationship first now there are like i believe in the spiritual gift of evangelizing mm-hmm. to where somebody could uh, not know anybody and evangelize to them and that person even not knowing them you know could come to faith and be like oh, and you know the holy spirit can <clears throat> convicts them at that moment uh for the the need of salvation Mm -hmm. but you know not everybody is gifted in in that area yeah so i think like that's when you need to create a relationship with uh somebody so i mean the christian faith is relational Mm -hmm. and it goes it, it extends to you know correction or or you know seeing different viewpoints and then it also goes towards uh evangelizing yeah and probably in other areas too i'm sure yeah so and and i was i want to say this too um 
one of the things that I notice about as soon as we start to get into disagreeing, if I start to disagree with someone about a doctrinal thing, um, sometimes what they'll do is say, well, just listen to this guy's YouTube thing and, and he'll straighten it out. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're right here. <laughs> right, yeah. What do you know about this? Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like all you're saying is um, is that like you're easily influenced or you have some sort of impressionability. Yes. Okay, I'm probably that way too. I have a tendency to be a, a little bit impress, uh, impressionable. But if you can't, um, exactly what you were talking about, if you can't, Describe to me what you believe, why you believe it. Maybe you need to maybe not be so vocal about your disgust, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're all at different stages of growth. We're all learning things about God. We're learning things about salvation, about the word. I know so much more now than I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I also talk to people like you and other people I know, and I'm like, boy, I got a long way to go. (laughs) There's so much to know in the word, man. There's so much to know. It is um, the most amazing thing. The word of God is incredible. You know, it is. Yeah. Like, and, and so it's like I, I'm trying to give people grace. And it's like you think that this this minister, this big name minister that you saw on TV was wrong. OK, maybe. But like, why? And it's like, well, this YouTube video. No, 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 no. Just mm-hmm. you tell me what about it bothers you, because I'll tell you my process when I hear someone and I don't like what they're saying. It stays with me, man. I don't know if you're like this. It's it's in my mind. And I start at the next morning. I'm praying and I'm like, OK, I need you. Holy Spirit, to show me why this is driving me so crazy. Mm-hmm. And I start to think about what I know in the Word. I don't think that lines up because it seems like this, yes, that's it. It contradicts this scripture right here. I got Colossians now, you know. Right. And uh, like the old the old saying out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, mm-hmm. the Mosaic Law. And so it's like I, I want to have two or three different examples to counter that, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and so that's my process. But if I hear that minister keep saying it enough times, I'm kind of done. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to publicly shame them, or anytime anyone says their name, I'm going to be like that guy's or you're gonna full come of like it, a, man. a false, false uh, teacher or uh, what are you, a false <clears throat> witness or whatever they're called, or heretic. Yeah, um, I'm just, and that I'm just not. I'm not going to put them on blast, and I'm not going to unless unless there is trust in a relationship, and and you, you and I were to sit down, or you know, one of my brothers or something, and say. What is it you don't like about this guy? And I can be like, I feel like it's this, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't listen to them anymore. But that end of story, pray for them. They're your brother in Christ. Do you love them? If you love them, you need to pray for them. Uh, yes. We all walk in light of what we know. You just, so you just hit on a huge thing that I've been dealing with myself. And that is praying for people that you disagree with. Yeah. Strong, like strong disagreements. Like, they, they may make you bat, mad, but you pray for them, you know, and you, you, and I think that's great because it, it gets you closer, you know, to the heart of God. Yeah. But, and you're extending love towards that other person, even if you think, you know, they don't exactly deserve your love. That's, I mean, that's the, mm. that's the definition of agape. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, mm. but... You, you know, you want them, maybe if they need corrected, God will correct them somehow if it's, it ain't going to be through you. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, you know, pray, pray for them and like, and watch what happens to your character, I guess, and how it changes. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I think that's huge. What you just what you just hit on. Yeah, I feel like that's a good. Uh, that's I'm saying it again. The litmus test mm-hmm. is is to be able to tell if you have bitterness towards someone. Mm-hmm. Is, is can you pray for them? Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I've yeah. been in that situation right. where I, I want. I had an old boss that I wanted to punch in the face regularly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was I was really close to doing it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, "You need to pray for him," and I'm like, "No." Mm-hmm. Like you're okay with him going to hell then? I'm like no, but he's a jerk, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, and you, and as soon as you start to do that, I'm telling you, man, there's a heart change. Right. And then and then it becomes even. Here's the thing: even if your your issue is justifiable, you know what they said is wrong. And you can see the ramifications of what they said being wrong. How it would turn people off. I guess we're talking about specifically ministers. How it would get people away from a certain growth. It would get people into this deception. I know with Word of Faith, it's always about money. It's always people's argument. Uh, Criticism against Word of Faith, it's always like prosperity preachers and all that stuff. And you can see how detrimental that doctrine can be. Okay? So it's like, even if there's some validity there, um, you have to... Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to edit this because I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, that's it. Even if... Um, even if there's validity there, if you're bitter against them, you're putting yourself on a higher plane than them. You're self-righteous. Yeah. You, you are like, they're the unwashed uh-huh. and they're wrong. And I'm going to tell everyone, and this is not how it's done. But as soon as you start to pray for them, your heart opens up. And then honestly, <clears throat> the validity will come through what you're actually, what you can actually see wrong. And you can see, but then it becomes compassion. Right. I don't okay. want them. Uh-huh. I don't want them to be saying that because I think it's wrong and I think it's detrimental. Let me pray that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of their understanding. They would receive new doctrine. They would be able to receive new vision from from outside sources, laborers, whatever it may be. But the heart is is that's it, man. That's the only thing that matters. Is are you praying with compassion or are you praying out of bitterness? You know. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, so. <laughs> Not to go uh, into politics, but last mm. last year, last January, like I was very bitter with with like I was extremely bitter after that whole election process and mm. what happened on January sixth. I was bitter towards Christians that you know took part in in all of that, um, and so. I think it, and it wasn't until this past May when I graduated where something, there was something about that time period where like uh, some kind of switch flipped in my mind where all of a sudden I needed, you know, to let go of a lot of this bitterness because the the reality hit me is that I did all this stuff to become a better pastor. Hmm. And I don't think that I would be a good pastor if I was hanging on to all of this, a whole bunch of bitterness. So, you know, how do I let go of it? And that's through prayer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and, and you have to pray for these other people. Sure. But you also have to pray for your, yourself too that you're not going to be a, a bitter Christian. You're going to be, because Christ wasn't bitter on the cross. He said, forgive them, Lord. They mm-hmm. know not what they do. 
and you know ev- so yeah. yeah so basically i'm agreeing with you mm-hmm. so the answer is yes yeah and and I, I would i would almost say from the um i think we're probably on the same i don't want to get political no. but i feel like we're probably you know on the same plane mm-hmm. or you know oh, i'm ra- conservative roundabout okay. sure yeah yeah uh but and, and I, I would say a lot of the bitterness i had to deal with was uh was all all of the leftism right and and the mainstream media just completely ignoring all the riots that were going on right sure and all the yeah we, we can mean, like in my hometown this, totally yeah. fine <laughs> i don't even care no no i mean but uh yeah uh-huh. antifa and just all all of this and it mm-hmm. was just like well you know we're just you know we'll report on it i guess but yeah they're mostly peaceful mostly as the cars launcher. burn behind the right so that's and and even even after the january 6th thing uh-huh. I, I i saw a bunch of renegade idiots try to break into the capitol right yeah but i also saw the media frame it as if it was like they they were up this close to overturning it and I was like, no right. they weren't yeah no not really <laughs> no yeah so but so anyway with that uh-huh it, am I praying for CNN? No, I'm just turning it off, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have exactly. As soon as I realize I don't respect this person, I'm just uh-huh. not going to listen to it. Right. But if it's someone who does have influence that I have in, like a relationship with, mm-hmm. I do want to pray for them absolutely. And I will say this: in the past, I've had to pray for presidents that I didn't like, right? Yeah. And and I'm, my heart really softened toward that person, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. or people. Sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so. What else were we talking about? Word of faith? Uh, yeah, well, I asked you if you would defend it because that's mm. like one that that has the most critis, critics within Protestantism. Yeah. But obviously, uh, you came to f- like faith in, in, in word of faith. Like you, that was like your main, I guess, uh, vehicle to towards the faith that you have now. I suppose... Because, like I said, I didn't know who any of these people were mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So it wasn't a come to faith through them. But, see, the funny thing is, I feel like it's all in the name. And yet, people, all, oh, they want to switch. Um, what am I trying to say? They want to switch what the argument is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what appeals to me about Word of Faith? What appeals to me about it? Um, it I love how it's basically built on uh let me see if i can still do this because I'm, I'm an ex rama student okay okay <laughs> this is uh mark 11 23 maybe 24 mark 11 23 20 if it's the one about prayers uh ask anything what yeah anything. hold on hold on no oh shoot uh have faith in god for i say unto you whoever saith unto this mountain be thou removed and be cast into the sea and okay. does not doubt in his heart but believes the thing that believes the things that he says he will have what he says, something like that. And then, uh, and then he said, um, "Oh shucks, oh man, I'm embarrassed now because I had it. Like I knew this so well." Uh, but yeah, so what appeals to me about it? It's the idea that uh, that you cannot please God without faith. Mm-hmm. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For that he he that approaches approaches him must know that he is, and must know that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, you mm-hmm. know, and faith is everything. Um, whoops. That is not my dog. That's an alarm telling me I got to take the trash out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you leave that in because that's great. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, so it, it's all about faith, uh, believing in God, believing that, um, believing that Jesus 
was able to take all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, that his body and his blood was good enough for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. That it's all about faith. It takes faith to believe that. And it's not just saying it. I heard uh, one of your guys, uh, what's what's your main guy? N.T. N.T. Right. Love yeah. me some N.T. Right. So I, I heard him say that uh, sometimes people hear that Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10, they hear like, oh, so it's just as simple as just saying it and believing it. That sounds like a stupid magic trick. And he was saying, he's like, no, you have to understand how God works in the heart of a person. He is constantly working on them from the moment they're born to the moment they come to Christ. Or sadly, when they don't come to Christ. Uh, he's putting seeds of faith in there to teach, to reveal himself. And sometimes people pick up on the presence of God through nature, mm -hmm. through quiet, through stillness, through art, through drawing, whatever it is, through relationships. You know, I've heard so many people say they came to faith because their their grandpa or their grandma, you know, and what it, what, what is that? That's seeds that they were planting, revealing God. God reveals himself in nature. Um, what was one of the Psalms? We did the book of Psalms and uh, we did the Bible study. Right. And, uh, one of my favorite one is um, talking about how uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Like, what is it? Day unto day, utters speech night unto night, reveals knowledge. There's no place or um, there's no place on the earth where their sound is not gone. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the first part of it, but it was talking about how God reveals himself. And so when someone comes to faith, it's not because they heard this thing. They heard this Romans 10, 9 and 10, and they didn't want to go to hell. So let me just pray this prayer and. Fire insurance, we call it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's not salvation. That's exactly that. It's some sort of weird, perverted fire insurance. But that's not God building the kingdom in you. The moment of salvation happens when you see how sinful you are and how broken you are and you need a savior. And then that's when so many of those pieces come together. It's like an orchestra. Hey, are, are you reformed? Hang on. Are you reformed? <laughs> Is that reform language? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's... So it's funny that you have this word of faith <clears throat> background, but I've heard people who are reformed explain it the exact same way that you just oh I see like you have to see how simple you are your, your brokenness I I totally agree with that I think that's just like good teaching mm -hmm. uh, so but okay <laughs> so I came to faith when I was probably three or four mm -hmm. okay so how much of my own sin and degradation that i see at four right, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. i was raised in a christian home uh -huh. but i'm telling you that's true but this is stuff that i realized as an adult yeah as i'm growing up okay or in my in my teen you start you see it like oh man i have a sinful nature why do i always want to sin and do what's wrong but the truth is salvation happened when i received jesus because i remember that moment i have like no memories of my childhood like real young, I mean. Mm -hmm. But I remember that. I remember I was on the playground of Faith Academy and I had skinned my knee and I was crying and went to my mom in the car because it's Illinois, it's probably freezing. And uh, and she, uh, you know, always raised in church. So I always heard about Jesus. But this was the moment where she was like, do you want to, to accept him into your heart? And I knew it, man. I knew I wanted him. Yeah. You know, so it's both. It's both. I, I think sometimes you, you grow in the knowledge of Christ, you grow in the knowledge of your need for him. No question, you know, uh, yeah. but at the same time, there's also a genuine understanding when kids give their lives to Jesus. We don't look at that and say, well, you haven't lived a life of sin and degradation, son. No, he has done a work, but that's going to grow, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, that so we're t I keep bringing up spiritual gifts, but that sounds like like. 
some people might balk at this, but like a spiritual gift of faith. Like, so I grew up hmm. in, in the church like you. I believed at a young age, and I've always, always believed in God. Like, I've always known that there is a God. Uh, I haven't always lived like it. And so, hmm. I, and you, so basically, what I'm saying is that's what it sounds like for you. Like, you always had this faith from like a very early age. Like you knew yes. it was real. You knew you wanted it. Yes. I was hungry, <clears throat> hungry for it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and then we, we screw up, you know, we yeah. go and have our screw up years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like hey, I same did. Here. Same here. And man. then that's, you know, when I was 26. Yeah. Like I definitely see, saw how sinful I was. So. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, you, you still like, I still always, believed in god always knew that i needed him just there's different times in your life where you realize like what level mm. until you get that like final kick in the pants I yeah guess. and and even now um after uh after years of uh experiencing god and being in the word and you know going to bible college and uh i'm married have kids I still, I'm telling you, man, I still have moments where I come back and I'm like, I love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not that I come back. I'm there all the time. But I just mean where I'm like, I realize how much I need him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my God, you have forgiven me. I feel like that salvation is, I'm just constantly going back to that foundation. But like, I I do, I would say that reformists probably overcomplicate things. Okay. In, in, In the sense that it's like so strict. You know, um, but I, I, I do, I do think that Jesus has made it as easy as is possible to receive him. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, like, so Matt always says it's, it's easy enough for a child to understand. Yeah. Uh, but it's also difficult to where we have, uh, theology degrees, I guess. Yeah. But we're, 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 we're not theology degrees, but we're, we're laboring to understand yes. the rest of our life. Even even someone who had an, an unbelievable education on, mm-hmm. on God and, and referring to Paul and his his understanding uh, and his uh, his upbringing under is it Gamaliel? Yeah, Gamaliel. Yes, uh, who who was the the leading? Was he a Pharisee? Or was he a rabbi? Yeah, he was the a Pharisee. Rabbi. Okay, well, he had to have been a Pharisee. Yeah, because he was in the yeah. meeting, right, right, right. In, in the Book of Acts. Yeah, uh-huh. so. But in any case, he had such an understanding of, of the scriptures, had such an understanding of God, and uh, and here he is revealed in Christ and has this conversion and has this amazing story, writes one-third of the New Testament or mm-hmm. two-thirds, I can't remember. Uh, in any case, he says, we still see dimly right. through a, what is it? A mirror, mirror darkly. Yeah, we see it darkly. We're still understanding God. And you can take from this whatever you want, but uh, I love this story. This person was saying he was having a conversation with God, and uh, and and he was reading where Moses said, uh, "Show me your ways," you know, "Show me your face, Te- teach me your ways." And then he said, "Like you will never see my face." And then so he paused and said, "God, why didn't you just tell him your ways?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Because he would still be on Mount Sinai." I love that concept. You know, like I said, take from what you will, whether you believe it or not. I love that concept that there is 
infinite understanding and knowledge and wisdom of God that no human mind can understand it. You mm-hmm. know, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to grasp most some of it. Right. <laughs> you know, <yeah>. we will <laughs> never. Uh-huh. But what I love about God is that he desires to reveal himself to children. Right. You know, uh-huh. it keeps it sometimes really simple. I was just telling my son tonight, uh, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I want you to say it back to me. Let's keep it simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Right now, you just obey, but as you get older, you start asking why. You know, right. that's when it gets fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, the same is true of, of the Christian life. But I, I do believe that salvation can happen in, in very young people or people with very little understanding. They just know that something here, something here is about Jesus. I don't know what it is, but I want something about Jesus. And then they give their lives to Jesus and then grow in the knowledge of their salvation, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. That was a tangent, but we were talking about, that was a good tangent though. I liked it. Yeah. We're talking about word of faith. <clears throat> so all of it is about faith. I love it, man. I love the the concept. Um, I can't believe I messed up Mark 11, 24. I'm so upset about that. I'm going to get it, man. Uh, Have faith in God. I forgive for you. I say unto yeah, you, I forgive you. Whoever says on this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart shall have, uh, that's how I always messed up that part. Um, yeah. Oh, that's it. And and so I say unto you, Jesus is saying, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand in praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Right. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a caveat. Um, but I love that concept that Jesus here is, is taking the place of God, so to speak, and saying, I'm telling you, though, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's an amazing concept. And and to in Colossians, I believe it is, that says, uh, uh, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. Mm-hmm. So you have to analyze that. How did you receive Christ? You heard the message of, about God, God's word. You It took faith. God gave you faith to believe for it. You believed for it. You spoke it. I ask you to come into my heart, whatever sort of prayer you prayed. And then God does the rest. God does this amazing work in you. Okay, this is how you grow in faith. Anything that you need in your life, anything that you need for godliness, for salvation, you have to believe that you have received it through Christ. Speak it and walk it out. So, so you you put in some qualifiers there. You said whatever you need for faith or or growing in godliness. And I think that's where some of the word of of faith gets hammered because (laughs) it's... A lot of material, like, it's the stereotype of the material things. Yeah. Like uh, a bigger bank account or I I don't know what. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things that I've heard is people make a contract with God in some of these word and faith circles. Like, I need a car. So this minister talked about making a contract with God. Uh where, you know, I would do this and then he would supply me with a new car or I had money to pay my bills. Like, listen, paying your bills, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, having a, a new car, like if your car's in, it, it is a dumpster fire, I understand that. But like making a contract with God, like mm-hmm. a, a physical contract, that's kind of suspect. Sure. Well, we're under contract. Uh-huh. Well, we're. I like to say we're under. We're in a covenant, right? Relation, which sure. is, which is different mm. because 
contract is signed between two parties who don't trust each other, whereas a covenant is formed through two parties that do trust and, or, and, or give the benefit of the doubt. Well, and I agree with you. And what I would say is this, though, the covenant that we're in is not between us and God. The covenant that we're in is between God and Jesus regarding us. Because it doesn't say in, in uh, uh, I know when he cut covenant with Abraham, a covenant is made by two everlasting things. So uh-huh. if it were about God and us, when we sin, that would that we that we'd break the covenant every single time. But God made the covenant through Jesus Christ on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Okay, so once we're in Christ, once we agree to come into this covenant, we're in covenant, man. We're in Christ. Now, at the, and I don't mean to sound like this is, um, like you can now do whatever the heck you want, but I'm saying like the blood of Jesus covers you now. You know, you cannot get yourself out of Christ unless like you're talking about the Hebrews unpardonable sin. But even then, it's like several different things you have to do in order to commit the unpardonable sin. You know, right. I feel, I feel like that, that can get too complicated. I mean, if we can simplify it as much as is possible. I is, is sorry. No, uh, you're good. As far as I understand it, like I've never really looked into the unpardonable sin. But for me, that's just denying the Holy Spirit. Uh, upon like the being convicted for salvation well i would i I, see and i wish i knew right where it was but there's like a list of five different things that he was even saying um if you if you have believed and if you know because i here's the thing i can make fun of uh i'm just throw a religion on mormonism i Mm -hmm. can make fun of it all day long i can think it's ridiculous okay but if we get to heaven and it turns out (laughs) It sounds stupid. Mormonism is the thing. I'm insulting something I don't know anything about. Uh-huh. But it, I think this is saying if you know God and you understand him and what he's done, you understand how precious the blood of Jesus really is, and you still throw it under your feet. Oh, yeah. That's unpardonable, man. Be- uh-huh. Because what you're saying is I think I can stand before. I don't need Jesus. Right. But, yeah, you sound like uh, Lucifer or something like that. Um. So... Oh, how do we get off on that? What is another tangent? That that was the uh, the contract thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Okay, so I I do think that's important because I I think that that people can can get off into condemnation when you sin or you know willfully sin and struggle with sin and a lot of it a lot of it you feel like you have to constantly renew your salvation and the book of the author of Hebrews says that his blood was good enough once for all. Right. He says it like three different times once uh-huh. for all humanity. Yeah. It was good enough. It's good enough. So, uh, but a covenant is made from an everlasting God and Jesus, another of everlasting. But it was about us. It was about mankind. So we are enter- entered into that covenant, uh, but it's not a, but it's not a God making the covenant and us agreeing. You know, per se. Um, I hope we didn't get off too much on that because I don't want it to be complicated. You know, <laughs> this um, is theology. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, but I was going to say about that, about covenant. Um, oh, so about, about word of faith. Yeah, I get it. I've heard all the criticism. I've heard some of it too. I've heard some, some ministers say things and I'm like, okay, I, I understand what they're saying about prosperity, mm-hmm. about how people think it's all about you. I, I, I want a nice big fat house and I want this and I want this. I'm going to use faith to get it. Is that possible? Yeah, I do. I think it is possible. I don't think it's probably good, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but I, I do think there is something to be learned about faith and about believing and about speaking. I think that's important. I think it can be perverted 
Okay, so on any doctrine in any denomination, you can get over on a ditch on either side. I think God doesn't want us in either ditch, you mm-hmm. know. So one thing that I have against most of the critics, and I, I will say this because I was not raised with money, and that's to put it lightly. I was pretty much raised poor. My parents were divorced young, and my mom was a single mom my whole life, raising six kids. I'm the youngest of six. So money and food and problems with cars, it was, it was, all, it was always a thing. We had our electricity turned off multiple times. I mean, it, it was hard. It was a hard life. Um, if I remember, you know, I had a good childhood and all that, but so I know what it's like to live with lack and it's terrible and I hate it. Okay. So some of the problems that I have with the critics is that they'll, when they're probably having a right heart criticizing prosperity teachers, I would say I've been poor and I've been prosperous and it's better to be prosperous. Yeah. You know, usually the people who were saying that live in a really nice house, drive several cars, have more than one TV, have a closet full of clothes and shoes. They're living prosperous while saying, well, I don't like those prosperity teachers. And I'm like, look around, bro. You're prosperous. Mm-hmm. Like you are prosperous. And you know what? It costs money to fund the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It, it costs money and if all you're thinking about is I want to have enough for me and my house and to be able to pay my bills, me, 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 my, my, my. But if you understand um, the point of money, especially when it comes to the kingdom, you understand like it's about bigger than you. You're still only thinking about you. So I personally, I'll just put myself on the line here. I do want to be rich. Uh-huh. I want to be very wealthy. I have my own business right now. I'm building it. I totally want that. But I also, I'm believing that God has done enough work in me where I'm not covetous, where I'm not like wanting the biggest and the nicest things just for my own sake. I want to have a nice car because I've had cars that break down all the time right. and it's frustrating. Yeah. Okay. So when I say I want a really nice car with low miles, a critic could come along and be like, well, you don't need that. I'm like, trust me, I do. <laughs> like it stinks to have to fix your car all the time Yeah. to be unreliable. You know, so I'm fine with people having really nice cars. I think it's great. But I also think that like there's a I get it. There's a much bigger picture of the world being lost. That's what it's about, man. You know, and I would I would say this too. a lot of the people with uh, with um, who have planes, you know, come under so much criticism. You don't need a plane. What do you need a plane for? Because there's people over there (laughs) who need money, who need resources. And if uh, I'll give you this example, Uh, when I went to when I went to Rama. Pastor Hagen was about to, Junior this is now, he was about to make the final payment on, on the, the ministry jet, or not jet, it was a private plane, whatever it was. And so he said, just to really check our hearts, we wanted to see if, um, if we still needed this thing. You know, is this an excess? Is this just a big fat albatross we don't need anymore? Right. And so he called a major airline, actually called several, and they gave them their itinerary. And they were like, are you able to give us a ride on all of these different places. And they were like, we couldn't help you uh, to march, (laughs) much less the whole year. You would be on standby all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd constantly be sitting in the airport waiting on flights to take you to different places. It would be delayed. Your itinerary would be an absolute mess. Okay. This is just to a person who's, who's speaking, you know, I don't know what a lot of these people are doing with their planes. I believe they're ministry planes a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but I don't know the person. 
I don't know their ministry. And most of the time, critics don't know what their ministry is. They just know they see a plane. They don't have a plane. You shouldn't have that plane. You know, it's like, wait a minute. Why don't you ask, why do you need the plane? Maybe do a little research and find out, oh, they actually do a feeding ministry. And there's no way American Airlines could could cover all this. Uh You know, they'd spend twice as much money, Mm -hmm. you know, having to pay for it all the time, you know, instead of just that. So, yeah. Some minor things we're hitting here, but uh, so I, I understand the heart behind some of the criticism of Word of Faith. It's not all about you. God, is, God does not exist to give you every single thing that you want. We need to realize that like there are people out there who need help. But you know what? It's going to cost money to help those people. And so I'm all for prosperity. Mm-hmm. I believe prosperity is a good thing. It's a good thing. But covetousness is disgusting. It's terrible. It's all about self. It's self-promotion. It's you just doing whatever you want, whenever you want to. And uh, if you look at Jesus and his disciples, they gave everything. Paul and Silas, they gave everything for the sake of the gospel. But there were people supporting them, you yes. know, who had money. Uh-huh. So Yeah, that's true. You have to be able to see these from all different sides, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So I thought that was, I think that's a pretty good, uh, well, I, I'm not going to be the judge of, uh, I'm not going to judge you on that, mm-hmm. is it? Or I don't want to judge it at all. So let I'll just say like with with the the planes, mm-hmm. the, the airplanes. I do know that there are, are remote areas where these planes go to. Like you brought up the feeding ministry. Mm-hmm. Like there are runways that a seven forty seven can't go get on. Mm-hmm. And you, so let's say if you went to, I don't know. A, <clears throat> If you're going to a remote place in Africa, you'd have to take like a 747 across the the sea. And then you'd have to go to a, another smaller airport and maybe they could take you on like a, a biplane to a, a village or something. Mm. Whereas if you have a, a smaller private jet, you could just go and not have to worry about any more logistics. Yeah. So... And, and I would also say this. We had a, a crisis in Afghanistan. Yes. And there's only one airport, uh-huh. you know. Um, right. Don't get into too much of that, uh-huh. except to say that uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland was, because he has a, um, a plane ministry, like mm-hmm. an aviation sort of ministry, not just his own personal, but like with several other people. He's given away 20 some odd planes, I think. To people. Did you know that? No, I had no idea. <laughs> He's given away tons of planes. <laughs> and uh, he was the, he was one of the only ones who, who kept going to Afghanistan and kept picking people up and taking them, rescuing them, getting them out of the country, you oh. know, and our own government wouldn't do it. And yeah. he was doing it. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that like everything against word of faith is totally wrong and they're all stupid. I'm sure there's plenty of people, but uh, judge for yourself with, with what the word says. I mean, also consider this. I know we probably have to finish, but also consider Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were filthy, stinking rich. Yeah, Abraham were, was yeah. rich in what? Silver, gold, and some, some third thing? Livestock. Yeah. He had tons of servants. So, so, many, so much so that the largest nation at that time, Egypt, actually had to tell him, your servants are too many. Like, go. Like, you need to go. And that's not uh, Abraham and Lot. That happened as well. <clears throat> but I want to say with Egypt... They also kept taking his wells, Isaac, mm-hmm. because like he had so many wells and they would take them. He'd be like, fine, I'll dig another one. And they would take that one. This is Egypt. They're not hurting on money. Right. But that's how he was actually able to compete with the largest 
uh, nation at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultra wealthy. Um, you know, would Christians today be like, why does Abraham need all those servants? Why, yeah. does, why does he need all that gold, Abraham? And your God is making a covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. right? So it's, I, I think sometimes you have to see the, uh, to see it from a different perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and just say, well, you know what? I don't know what it's like to be a millionaire. Right. You know, I don't. I know what it's like to be a thousandaire. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes know what that is. I know what it's like to be a, a ramenaire. A ramenaire, yeah. Good night, for sure. man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So I think uh, I, I, I appreciate you giving your defense <clears throat> because, like, I mean, it, it gets hard. Like, I, I've noticed over the past few years ago, especially with the word of faith or mm-hmm. I, in the air quotes prosperity pastors they they've been getting hit really hard mm-hmm. by like the more reformed and uh side of of, of the christian faith and even by uh, other pentecostals so mm-hmm. but um so i thought so i, I want to thank you because it's it's not e- it it doesn't seem like it's easy sometimes yeah to say you know i have these beliefs i think that they're grounded in, in biblical truth and then just to come attack uh come under attack like time after time by internet theologians yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. um but so i appreciate that <clears throat> so and i hope that uh it will produce some good fruit as we go on down the road mm-hmm. with, with this podcast yeah so, um but i think we're gonna wrap it up here um We'll be back next month, hopefully, Mm -hmm. with uh, another episode. And until then, God bless. Tim, is there anything you want to say? If anyone uh, has, like, wants to comment, if you think, like, I'm way off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's totally fine. Like, I would would love to hear about it. Maybe we can address some of them next time. Sure. That would be great. Uh, In fact, so um, if you want to send an email, the email is theologytaco at gmail.com um, I feel like you're going to get some emails <laughs> maybe also if you would rate us on uh, rate the show on uh, your the podcast platform that you're listening to Spotify just added a, a rating feature of course Apple has had theirs forever so if you would rate the show that would be great and uh, until then uh, God bless and be kind to each other Yeah.